You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Over 7 million different animals inhabit our planet. You picked the Cape Buffalo or the African Buffalo I know. to cover, and I was like, okay. What can they teach us? I'm just in awe by how they work together as a community, and I'm like, man, if we can... If we actually observe Cape Buffalo behavior in our lives and some of the altruistic stuff that they do that I'll touch on in behavior. Many species are in crisis and need your help. Join the movement at allcreaturespod.com. Welcome to the All Creatures Podcast. This is Chris. And I'm Angie. Hey, Angie. Good to see you. Nice to see you as well. Yeah, yeah. It's it's good having people fill in for you, but I do miss you. I do miss my partner in crime. Well, these these young men, I have to give them air high fives because I really appreciate them, especially in this with short notice, right? Uh, yes, yes. Filling in for me, but that's the community of wildlife lovers and conservation supporters that we have out there, uh, our friends and family helping us all out when yeah. When I need yeah, somebody to cover me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, Jim did great. Yeah, he did he's, great. He's, Jim Wine Press. Yeah, and, love him. So thank you, Jim. Yeah. You're a lifesaver. Uh, and I know, I know. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's definitely good to be back, and uh, we definitely, in my family and my personal life, uh, have experienced great loss. And so there was a small part of me that wanted Jim to do this next podcast for me as well. Right, uh, right. Because you know, you just kind of feel blase icky all that stuff um sad despondent lonely all those things so uh but 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 you're back exactly well there's a reason you know this podcast is a great reason to get up in the morning a great reason to learn a great reason to celebrate wildlife uh celebrate the friends and families Mm -hmm. we've met along the way and drum roll You picked yeah. the Cape Buffalo or the African Buffalo I know. to cover, and I was like, okay, it's got if it's got hoof horns or antlers, <laughs> like I can't let anybody else cover that for me. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I was excited. This one's been on my radar for a while. I've been wanting to do this one. For I a know. Bit. Yeah, I don't know what animal you would have like said that I've been like, nah, I don't want to do that. But you know me well enough <laughs> yeah. to like dangle the carrot, pardon yeah. the pun, in front of me, and I was like, yeah. yes, yes, yes. So. Yeah, uh, yeah got to do your homework mm, and you're ready. Mm, yeah, glad you're to be ready. back and glad to definitely do my homework. This research the past couple of days has been so much fun. And uh, yeah, we get to share it with all of our listeners today. So you're going to learn a lot of yeah. today about one of Africa's big five. Big five. Yeah, one of the big five. And, you know, it's we've done I, I, I added it up. So we, we've done four. Right. We've done the elephants. Mm-hmm. We did the rhinos. Okay. We did the leopards. You have a good memory. Right? Now, <laughs> I've already yeah, lost. Now we're doing, <laughs> and now we are doing mm-hmm. the Cape Buffalo. And that leaves, we have one left, which we will get to by the end of the year. We've already been talking yes. about that one. The mm-hmm. lion. We will definitely have the lion here pretty soon. So the Cape Buffalo. But before we get going, I, I just want to give again another shout out to our friend in British Columbia, Jonathan. Hey, Jonathan. You know, he's he's we love he's you out there. He had a really great suggestion. I know. I, he's awesome. He was like, it's funny. He, he popped back on Facebook. He's like, yeah, Canada. It's like, what we do wrong? Like, we're so nice up here. 
<laughs> I told him we'll, we'll get up there. I love Canada. Uh, one of my favorite places on earth. So Jonathan had oh, a, yes, for sure. Yeah. He had a great suggestion and he said, why don't we have people submit questions to us and then we'll pick and answer them. And he said, you know, a, a, a good suggestion is our Patreon subscribers get priority. So Patreon is, if you don't know, it's this platform for artists and podcasters to, you know, try to get subscriptions that people can help us pay the bills. You know, we have to pay for the bandwidth, the pod hosting, the web site hosting, all this stuff. And obviously Angie and I are, are still unemployed, but we're, we're looking to, <laughs> to help pay well, the bills somewhere. Yes. Yeah. I know exactly. Mm-hmm. I have these organizations. though, I keep finding, man, I like want yeah. to drop everything and go work for them. I know that Rhino one. Oh, uh, I, on Instagram, Rhino here I come. I know <laughs> the, the Instagram. I I sent you the the link. It's the the baby hippo pay, playing with the baby rhinos because the hippo they found orphaned. So oh I was god. like, oh my god, I'm going there. <laughs> I know, my God, like the dream, my dream place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you, you know, check us out on Patreon, you know, again, it, it, it really helps support us, support the podcast. And also like advertising is a big thing we've been trying to push lately, but we're so poor, we can't advertise too much. And that really helps get the word out and spread the conservation message. But anyways, Jonathan had a great suggestion. If you are a Patreon subscriber, you get priority on the question. I think if you, if we have people message us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, ask a question. Angie and I will, will do the research, you know, anything conservation related, animal related, and we'll answer it on our, on our Friday news show because that's more of our free form where we, we kind of talk about all these issues and we'll see how it goes. So anyways, that was a great suggestion. I you know, love let, it. Let, yes. It. I can't yeah. wait to see what our first yeah. question is. Yeah. <laughs> so. Cape buffalo, even-toed ungulates, Yay. ruminants. Horns, hooves, they've got it all. Yes. And like Angie said, it should, the real name should be African buffalo, but the Cape buffalo is, is the most recognized. Savannah buffalo, I think is, it can be referred to as well. The literature is mostly, in the literature, it's mostly African buffalo, but for laymen like myself, it's Cape buffalo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the popular terms Cape Buffalo. Yeah, because there's four species under under the African Buffalo, which Cape Buffalo is one of them. Correct. But you know, if you call you call them all, we're going to be calling it Cape Buffalo. So it could re- refer to a lot of the stuff we talk about today can refer to all four of them. Now you want to stay tuned because at the end of the podcast, we're going to tell you why they're called the Black Death. <laughs> that's that the, is. Yeah. I mean, that's like a heavy duty dark. Uh, not punk, but like death metal band, you yeah. know, or something. Yeah, the black. There you go. There's it a is, band name, the yeah, Black Death. Yeah, that's some heavy yeah. duty stuff for sure. <laughs> yeah, they are. Yeah, they are cankerous, and they just, yeah, they're they're tough. They're tough, tough, tough. They have to be to survive in in Africa. So, so we'll answer that question towards the end. But I think we should just kind of describe the animal. Oh yeah, you know, you so ha- people have a good idea if you. Yeah, people, I, of course, I'm familiar with them because I'm a hoof and horn and antler mm-hmm. girl. But yeah, if you haven't, you got to go to our show notes and check out a picture or just Google them um, because mm-hmm. they really are unique when it comes to their horns. Uh, mm-hmm. Their size is one thing. They're uh, cow-like in their body structure, and that's not surprising. Mm-hmm. Dark brown, black in color. Black, mm-hmm. yeah. But what sets them apart is their horns and their size mm-hmm. and their power and their strength. Mm-hmm. You're right, Angie. They're, they're huge, but they're not the 
they're not very tall, I guess you would say. Like you would think Africa, like elephants and giraffes. And so, I mean, they're tall, 64 inches at the shoulder, five and a half feet, but they're not like just massive. They're They're like stocky. They are. Yes. Because they can weigh up to a ton almost. Mm -hmm. 1900 pounds or 870 kilograms. So they're big. And I mean, they're long, almost the the longest, I think is 11 feet, 300 centimeters or, or three meters. So they're, 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 yeah, you're right though. They're just, they're all muscle. It just looks like a big animal with, with a lot of muscle. And now the cows are a little bit smaller, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. The females are, of course, are going to be smaller. Um, and their horns are going to be, and, and this species, both males and females have horns mm-hmm. and the horns are going to be a little mm-hmm. more, uh, are going to be smaller and a little more slender. Um, and their horns, though, if you can picture it, they of course come from the top of the head, like any normal. Mm-hmm antelope but they're like flattened almost like a toupee if you will mm-hmm. and they come down flat and then they curve up and do sharp tips yeah. so hooks basically really sharp hooks yeah. and they have the area from the base the horns like will diverge downward and the adult buffaloes the horns are actually fused together at the base to form basically like a bone shield across the top of their head mm-hmm. and it's called a boss which is awesome i learned that yeah, i i've been talking about cape buffalo and uh, when i used to give uh, hoofstock to hoofstock tours at right. the zoo and i never knew what that area was called where it it kind of connected to look like a, a bone toupee or something. Right. Um, yeah, right. It's, called, it's, yeah. It's, called, it's called the boss. <laughs> yeah. The boss of the shield. It, it's mm-hmm. yeah. It's, it's intimidating. It's, it's, it's intimidating. So they just, yeah, they're tough. I mean, hides two inches thick in some places, like just they're, they're made to thrive and survive in Africa. Now I got to ask, did you see one when you were in Africa? I did not see one. Didn't see it. Okay. No, so it's on your list. It is okay. on my list. Yes. Uh, yeah. Hopefully next time. Um, but yeah. yeah. I was trying to think, didn't you see the leopard? No. Didn't, no, you didn't see a leopard? No. And I'm, okay. Let I'm, me ask you I'm this. I'm angry about it. So, yeah. <laughs> so, sorry. So what are the big five did you see? Did you see any animals in Africa? Uh, I, <laughs> you said zebra. <laughs> Chris, you're bringing up a sore spot. Yes, no. I saw tons of antelopes. Yeah. <laughs> I saw so many different types of antelopes. I did. I couldn't even recognize them all without my guidebook. No, uh, yeah. I saw lions and I saw elephants. A lot of elephants. Okay, so two. Mm-hmm. Two of the five. Mm-hmm. Okay. No rhinos though, huh? No. With elephants? That's another sore spot, you see. <laughs> uh, there's something there i did not know we were uh we were at a rhino relocation uh, park where she was yeah. relocating and there was probably about at the time we were there there's probably about 20 that had been reintroduced to uh zambia mm-hmm. to north luanga park uh but yeah we 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 went out a couple times a couple different days tra- trying to track them and we just yeah. we didn't see any as uh, obviously a such a wide range. And she, even though she wanted to show us some, she was actually happy. She was like, that means they're like learning to stay away from people and they're learning. They're, Mm -hmm. they're getting comfortable and exploring further out into the bush. So yeah, no, no, Chris, it's (laughs) sorry. sorry. You're trying to bring me down. I got, I got a whole (laughs) podcast to get through. (laughs) Well, no, now it's just, it's on your list. You know, like I've only, you know, I haven't been to the savannas of Africa yet. So, I've only been to Egypt. That's the only 
place on Africa I've put my feet. So I'm, I'm dying to go there. And then my wife's going to Australia this week. Uh, lucky know, ducky. So she's, she's out and about. Yeah, she's out and about. Uh, she's going to Belgium in a, in a couple months. So I'm, I'm in New Zealand though. I mean, come on, you know, I, it's Oh okay. yeah. It doesn't get but, much better than that. Yeah. 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 So Angie, you know, we, we talk about these large bovids. Part of the environment in Africa. So, so why care about buffalo, buffalo conservation? You know, where's their niche? Are, are they really that important? Well, Chris, these large herbivores, as you said, they can be up to 2000 pounds. Um, you know, they eat a lot of grass in, of, on the African savanna mm-hmm. and they help shape the plant communities that they depend upon. And with that being said, they also influence the different variation of the quantity and quality of the forage. So in general, mm-hmm. like any, any herbivore, any antelope that, or, you know, or buffalo or whatever that's grazing on grasses and or zebra and the African savanna, they can influence the soil nutrient distribution, cycling rates, mm-hmm. both not only at a, like a local place, but also like on the larger landscape scale. So, I mean, I just, I think people don't think of that. They also eat, and we can get a little more into nutrition, but the types of plants that they eat are also ones that aren't as desirable for other species of antelopes. So Mm -hmm. they help, Mm -hmm. they're like, if you think of a mower and really tall grasses, they kind of come in and they're not super picky. So they will mow, they will eat down part of it to then let other species come in and, and do, right. you know, do their work. So. Yeah. And that's the thing, Angie. It's like, Oh, it's we, we, you and I, and I talked about this with Jim on Friday. We're getting a global perspective, mm-hmm. right? So it's amazing that we have the energy and the enthusiasm that we do because we see what's going on around the earth. And it's, like, you know, Jim and I were laughing, like all the news wasn't that great, but I mean, the good news is there's people like an Allison out sure. there or a, a Kim Getz or an Aaron Curry. Those, again, I, I can't tell these people enough how much I admire and love them for what they're doing for animal and wild, animals and wildlife. Jim, what Jim does, what Jesse does, you know, what your husband does. What so, we do. Hey now, hey now, you know, don't forget. <laughs> yeah, I know we're part of it. We're part of it. We're part of it. And that's why we have that enthusiasm. But when you talk about a dumb cow, right? You or a watch dumb your mouth. Buffalo, uh-uh. <laughs> I, but that's how, that, but that's, you know, maybe that's the general perception. And you and I are like, you just said that. And I'm like, exactly. Yeah. If it wasn't for them, I mean, they, these other species depend sure, on each other sure. so much. Right? Well, and hopefully after listening to this podcast today, if you weren't a big fan of the cow family, you will be. I will turn you into a cow lover uh, and make you understand that, yeah, they're, they are definitely not dumb. Uh, wait till, wait till we get to the behavior. Mm-hmm. Some of the stuff that they oh, do yeah, with know, the birds are just incredible. And I actually am envious of, I have not envious, but just, I'm just in awe by how they work together as a community. And I'm like, man, if we can, if we actually observe Cape Buffalo behavior mm-hmm. in our lives and some of the altruistic stuff that they do that I'll touch on in behavior, if we lived our yeah. lives like that, we would be better people. <laughs> I mean, I'm not even kidding. Like if we extended know, the, a hand know, as often as they do, man. So yes, you should care about them obviously because they're yeah. gorgeous and big and bold and powerful and strong, 
but they also do a lot for the landscape mm-hmm. and they, uh, and for the soil mm-hmm. and therefore for a lot of the other animals mm-hmm. and people that need mm-hmm. to inhabit mm-hmm. that space. Yeah. I, it's, it's amazing that, that the ecological niche all these animals have, have, you know, filled. Sure. Well, in they've been evolving in that niche for, in that exact position, millions, vying yeah. for that particular job to eat that particular grass or, uh, you know, whatever it is they do for, hundreds of thousands, millions of years. So they're damn good at yeah, it. Yeah. You know, that's the thing is yeah, it's like, yeah. um, so, and I think I, I, well, and your, your other favorite topic is poop. Yes. Their poop's important. It's really it's critical yeah. for, for soil. Yeah. yeah. And for soil health and the microbes and all the organisms that live in the soil. Yeah, so it's, like, it's not only just eating like the grass. Two, yeah. I mean, I it, love yeah. horse and cow for back, lack of better terms, poop. It's basically like chewed up grass it's amazing it doesn't smell <laughs> it's totally fine <laughs> <laughs> i wouldn't say i love it angie as much horse poop as i've dealt with in my life doing all the repro stuff we did uh but yeah i, I get well it. I, I mean you ha- it. It yeah i definitely love it a lot more than like carnivore or omnivore poo because that can be st- or any yeah. or pescivore poop. something that eats p- yeah. fish their poop Ooh wee, oh, as yeah, we would say yeah. in my family <laughs> <laughs> Okay. But yeah, you're that that water in Michigan needs to be addressed. This explains a lot. I drank a lot of Lake Michigan water, and I turned out just fine, yeah. just fine. Yeah, yeah right, that's right, what right. you think. Yeah, no. But switching gears, so <laughs> just yeah, yeah. So yeah, so you're talking to cows. You know the the Bovinae family, bovids uh, is a term we sometimes use. Huge family, and it's the evolution's interesting. So I, I went kind of down this okay. rabbit hole a little bit, just because I, I you know, obviously I've worked with cows, and you know, I've done some research with them, and in repro, and and done a little bit of work in cows, and and, and I have a respect for them. I wouldn't say I loved cows working oh, with I them. Love, but I, I love them. when they like lick my boots or my arms. <laughs> Yeah. It's just the best. I mean, I like cows. It's not like, yeah, it's not like I, I don't like them. I just, you know, I know where they end up and sometimes. I know I that part. Yeah. That's, still Anyways. that's a little yeah. tougher to swallow. That's for yeah. sure. But not the yeah. Cape Buffalo. They're wild just, and free. That's why it's kind of fun oh, to God, talk yeah. about, right? Yeah. Yeah. This family's they, huge. They don't, so they're not, they're not taking day. domestication from nobody. <laughs> they're like, no, no. Mm-mm. So in the, in the current Bovinae family, so you, you have a bunch, and we're, and we're going to touch upon them. But all right, so looking at this family, I mean, obviously you have Boss Taurus. Mm-hmm. That's the domestic cow. I, I remember and that one from my ha- from Animal Science yeah. 101. Yeah. <laughs> well, then what's a Boss Indicus? Oh, come on, Chris. That's too easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. But for the, for the listeners. That is, so that is um, a domesticated... Um, well, I, I guess, I don't know. I don't have the short answer. It's from, it's from Asia and it is, yeah, it's yeah. been brought here to the United States because it's heat. It has a, a better heat tolerance. Heat tolerant. Yeah. 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 So the boss Indicus cattle and the boss Taurus. So boss Taurus is more your European breed. Your boss Indicus are more of your There's Asian, the clean answer. Asian breed. Yeah. So pretty Fast ancient. To, always yeah, guys, yeah. if you've listened to the podcast long <laughs> enough, you know, to listen to like my, you know, my stumbling through it, trying to figure out the answer. And then just fast uh, forward to Chris's like concise 
<laughs> answer. Yeah, but you throw in funny stuff. I'm, you know, you're the, well, you're the comedy early. I still love your utterly so amazing funny, jokes. I was like, okay, I'm on a roll here. Like, what rhymes with Buffalo? What jokes can I make about Kate Buffalo? And then it just fell flat. So I don't have any. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I need like slapstick humor, like so, utterly. Well, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Utterly. Yeah. That was pretty good. That was pretty good. So the, the Gower, we're going to get to the Gower. They're huge. They're out of uh, Asia again. Uh, and yaks. So they're, they're part of this. The American bison, we're going to get to the African buffalo and a few, and then the Asian water buffalo, we're going to talk a little bit about. So just to kind of sum that up, the, the, the four major buffalo species, there are mm-hmm. four major genus, the American buffalo, which is also referred to as bison. And they started calling them bison oh, in 1774. Wonderful fun fact. I should have known that. I might've known that when I used to give my hoofstock tours, uh, but I, I, I really yeah. would like the listeners to, if they get one thing out of today's podcast, besides Cape Buffalo are mm-hmm. incredibly strong and powerful and awesome. Cool. And yeah. I don't know if they're necessarily smart, but they are socially smart. I'll put it that way. Um, but number mm-hmm. one, the difference between Buffalo and bison. And do you know the difference, Chris? Well, I just looking this up and it was just bison was a, a an American. I mean, they're their own genus, right? So I just thought, oh, that's something we called. Exactly. Buffalo, yeah. There's just basically bison. been a misnomer over yeah. the years. Like, you know, and here in the States, we have the song called Home on the Range where they talk about the buffalo roaming in the West. Well, that's, mm-hmm. that's wrong. It's, it's, they're bison. Mm-hmm. And like you said, it's a completely different genus. So bison mm-hmm. are found in North America and parts of Europe where buffalo mm-hmm. are found in Africa and parts of Asia. And so the other big difference too is, so there's, right. we call it the, th- the three H's. So the differences between buffalo and bison is what the first H is home. So where they mm-hmm. live, like I, like we said, bison, um, North America, mm-hmm. Europe, buffalo, Africa, Asia. The other H is for hump. Right. So bison, the one in North America, mm-hmm. have a big hump at their shoulders where buffaloes don't, or the hump isn't as pr- pronounced. Um, and the hump allows the bison's head to function as a plow a little bit more mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to like move away snow in the wintertime. And then, so that's the second H. And the third H is horns. Right. So right, yeah. buffalo horns have are they're large mm-hmm. and this is probably a good time to throw in the fun little tidbit that each horn on a full-grown mm-hmm. probably like an adult male buffalo cape buffalo's head is going to be 25 pounds each, yeah, each one so a t- yeah it's insane yeah yeah and so a total of 50 pounds and i mean that's like a if, if you're <laughs> familiar like a heavy bag of dog food or horse feed or a hay bale I mean, on top of or, your head. or, or, or yeah. how about this? At least in the United States, like you don't want your suitcase to be more than 50 pounds because we, we get yeah. charged. But think of how heavy that yeah. is when you're lifting it up and you can barely lift it up. These, these strong guys, buffaloes, Cape, Cape buffaloes are walking around with this on their head. So yeah, right. I, just, I just love them. Oh my goodness. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. For bison, their horns are much shorter, much sharper. Right. Yeah, yeah, and they they and then it, they look different too. Like I have a a good little infograph I'll put oh, in the show yeah. notes. They definitely yeah. they definitely look different. And and if you want to throw a B into the mix with all my H's yeah. to remember, the buffaloes um are are 
the bison have beards. Right. Kind of like they're the hipster of the yeah. animals. They have these little beards. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Like, they're like, oh, I, I'm living in Brooklyn. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so they're the hipsters. And uh, whereas buffalo, the Cape buffaloes are beardless. Right, right. Yeah, they're, it's it, it's so cool looking at the differences of these. And so you, you had the American buffalo or the bison. You have the Cape mm-hmm. buffalo, which we'll talk about today. You have the 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 gower is uh-huh. the Indian bison, which I've got some some cool facts coming up about them in a second, but they're huge. And then you have the water buffalo, and the water buffalo. There's domestic and wild, right? Right, exactly. Yeah. Yep. There's uh, tons of domestic, of course, over in you know Asia and India, uh, India subcontinent. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, no. And then there's uh, the wild water buffalo as well, and then. Mixed in there too in the family, mixed into the water buffalo genus of, is it Balbalus? 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 Balbalus, yeah. B-U-B-A-L-U-S, yeah. Yeah, there's, there's two little guys I want to give a shout out to. Uh, first is the Anoa, which is also known as a uh, midget buffalo. And mm-hmm. they are found in Indonesia in the mountainous areas of Anoa and upper and lower Anoa. And they are endangered. Mm-hmm. So they're found on the islands of Swalisi and Bhutan and in Indonesia. And they're endangered. Right. So we'll touch on them probably later in the podcast. As well as another another critically endangered bovid in the water buffalo or Balbalus family is the Tamara or the Mendora mm-hmm. dwarf buffalo. And this is a small hoofed animal of course, in the bovine family, and it's found in on the island of Mindoro in the Philippines. Yeah. So that's where it's like a, a Cape buffalo is is of least concern, according to the IUCN. But yeah. some of these other relatives are endangered yeah. or critically yeah. endangered. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just to sum up the the four genus, so you have the genus Boss. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I. Maybe should have opened this way, but you have the genus boss. So we have the boss taurus, the boss indicus. Those are domestic cattle. You have the boss gorus, mm-hmm. which is the gaur, the boss grunians, which is the yak. And then you have the bantang, uh, boss jamas, javanask. Uh, I didn't even mess with that one. All right. Then you have the bison. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> which is easy. Bison, bison, bison. Bison, bison. Oh, <laughs> so, that's fantastic. And the, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the, the wizent, which, uh, bison, uh, Bonosus, which I think is the European bison. Then you have the, the buffalo, the African buffalo, the Cape buffalo, the genus Cinerus. Mm-hmm. And then you have the bubulus, which we just talked about. So those are the four majors. Now, mm-hmm. within African buffalo, there are four yes, species. Yes, there are. There are. Right? Mm-hmm. I, think it, I think it's three and a possible, but yes. Po- yeah, th- yeah. Yeah. I saw different. This is according to IUCN. Yes. So I saw some different... Out there, the bunch of subspecies and stuff, but I just stuck with the IUCN data since they're the one that, that yeah, they're all these definitely organisms. the 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 most universally well recognized, well referenced. Right? We always talk about in science, we want right. as many references as possible, and they usually always have all their sources, so you can look up the papers. So yeah, right. we'll go with what they say. Yeah, yeah. So you have this the, the Cape buffalo, which is Cinerus kaffir kaffir. Then you have the okay. forest buffalo, which is uh, Cinerus caffer okay. nanus. Then the West African savanna mm-hmm. buffalo, which is SC. And then Brachiosaurus. 
And then you have the Central African Savannah Buffalo, which was Acocantialis. So a lot of scientific words that I wasn't prepared to say today, but there you go. All right. <laughs> well, uh, it is yeah. there. And so where, where yeah. does this Cape Buffalo typically live in sub-Sahara Africa? Right. So there, I mean, I think they have some habitat fragmentation too. Oh, just, definitely. You know, yeah. I mean, you know, South Africa, Central, you know, if you go the Serengeti Plain, mm-hmm. you know, Kenya, Tanzania, a little bit into Ethiopia and Somalia, over down, mm-hmm. and then you have Botswana, um, Nambia, that area, and then you know, obviously the so then the Kalahari Desert kind of separates them out. I, I would imagine, I don't know, and probably some human settlements, and then you have a bunch in South Africa and these game reserves. Yeah, right? they, yeah, so they definitely they're de- they're largely their distribution is reduced and largely in reserves for sure. And they're very well diverse in their habitat. They can live anything from swamps to floodplains to grasslands to forests to mountains. So they generally prefer areas with dense cover and with reeds or thickets. But they can also Mm -hmm. be found in the open woodland. So they're very versatile, which is probably why that and because they're awesome and tough is one of the reasons why they've been able to be so successful. Now the the forest buffalo is Central Africa and a little bit of West Africa, okay. And then the West African savanna obviously is West Africa, Central West, and then the Central African savanna buffalo is just above like the DRC, right. that those types of areas, okay. Now they looking at the differences is the forest buffalo is the only one that looks kind of different. It does. The, it's di- yeah, it's it's a little more brown or orangish in color. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's a little it's smaller. Yeah, and yeah, the horn's not quite as impressive, which would make sense. I mean, trying to navigate around all those trees and stuff, they don't want this huge rack or big horn, set of horns. Right, like getting stuck yeah. in between two trees or something, like a cartoon yeah, animal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, so they're they're cool. I mean, they're just really, really cool. Now, Bovidae, Angie, some of this stuff was getting into the evolution. And like I said, I went a little bit down this rabbit hole, not too long. Good, I'm glad you did, because I, I surely didn't with my time crunch. Yeah. <laughs> but I didn't know. Okay, so Bovidae, I always thought, oh, cows, you know, and buffalo. I didn't realize yes. it included antelope, wildebeest, impala, gazelle, sheep, goats, muskox, and then obviously our domestic cattle. So they're all hmm. bovids, which I just... Yeah, I, I, it'd be interesting. I feel like I knew that, but it, I could just be one and be right or something. Uh, I wish it was a, I wish it was a quiz question somebody yeah. had sent in for, for us. Yeah, yeah. I did it. <laughs> but it is, it, yeah. it is weird to think of goats and sheep as part of that group. Yeah. Because yeah. we, we don't refer to that in, in, in animal science and husbandry and stuff. No, we never, not at all. No. We refer yeah. to them as ruminants. So they're basically yeah. all ruminants, right? Basically, it's yeah. A, yeah. How they digest their food and stuff. So mm-hmm. yeah, in Bovidae, there's 143 current species. Okay, and wow. then 300 known extinct species. You know, obviously some of those are ancient. Uh-huh. Uh, some of the characteristics, all male bovids have horns. Most females do too. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously our domestic, it, it's one of the things we used to deal with, like especially genetics and stuff. They, they've tried to breed the, the horns out of domestic stock, you know, uh, just for management reasons and stuff like that. So, so they, you may see, you know, hornless cows and stuff. And that's because, over many generations, they've been bred to not have horns. Now, within the bovids, obviously, huge variation in size and pelage coloration. 
the Bovid evolution is, is surprisingly controversial. <laughs> so I was I like, reading some of these, I know I was like, yeah. read these scientific papers. I'm like, okay. We get started so, on a, a new reality show, right? Yeah. Let's discuss Bovid evolution. That only like four people in the world would watch, but you and I would be one or two yeah. of those people. Yeah, I know. There's 50% we'll of your audience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but D- obviously with DNA, we're, get, we're getting the answers. And the, the generalities is most came from Africa, or that's the, the greatest variety. Okay. So you, you think about all those sheep and, and antelope and all that in Africa. First appeared about 23 million years ago in Europe and Africa. Okay. And branched out from earlier species that, you know, went and formed giraffes and the you okapi know, and, and those. The earliest known bovid is estragus, mm-hmm. which looked like an antelope, you know, it's a little bit smaller. Now, I don't know. I find this stuff fascinating because I just, I was so like wowed about the bovids. So they call them tribes? Yes. Or subfamilies? Okay. Yes. Sub-tribes. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Subfamilies. Yep. Yeah. 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 Uh, it was cool because they have, there's 10 in the bovid family. So you have bovini, which are buffalo and cattle. Then you drag, <laughs> there's so many scientific words. All right. Tragolafini, spiral horn antelope. So your yes. kudu, your elands, that's their Big own Big fans sub-family. of those guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I saw Bossa those Lapini. in Africa. Okay. Okay. Is- you saw a lot of these bovids, right? Yes. Yes. All right. All right. Now this one, Angie, Bossalafini, the four-horned antelope, was not aware of that. Keep going. I There's don't- only one species. Okay, yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's it. It's his own little subfamily. Oh, one of them. Oh, Chris, tell me more about this this four-horned animal. I don't want okay. to. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I just saw it. I was like, okay. Are you making it up? Are you, did you use Google? (laughs) The Rundancini, the water loving antelopes, the reed buck, the water buck. So did you deal, uh, water buck? Ashley actually works with water buck, I think. I, um, I did not, but I saw a lot in Africa. So I didn't work with them. Okay. Okay. Uh, Antelopini, the small to medium antelope. So you saw tons of these, the Thompsons or Grant's gazelles. Okay. Melampus, the Impala. The Alsafini, Wildebeest, Hardebeest. Hardebeest is another one. Oh, yeah. Through. They're cool. Okay. Hippo Tragini. Not hippos, but Hippo uh-huh. Tragini. Oryx and Sable Antelope. Now, okay. now you're making my heart beat fast. Those yeah, are my loves. Yeah, those yeah. are my loves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sable Antelope, cool. that's the biggest antelope in Africa. Yeah. Biggest and most yeah. dangerous and most beautiful. They have heart-shaped noses. Impressive. Yeah, impressive. very impressive. We, we will cover them. Okay. I. I got to work with them very immensely at uh, yeah. at the zoo, yeah. Georgia and Dixie, and then, my two girls. Yeah, <laughs> and then yeah, do you have any pictures like training them? Like right, I next do, to you? I do. Cool, cool, yeah, cool. And yeah, it, I love those pictures. Unheard, yeah, it's pretty unheard of because they are the most one of the most aggressive antelopes to work with. Yeah, 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 yeah. You gotta give, you gotta respect them. It took me and years. Then the Caprini. It took me years, yeah. uh, but they finally yeah, warmed yeah. up to me. They had to. It's that's my that's my mo. It might take you years. But yeah. you will eventually warm up to me, and and you will take a, yes. you will take a carrot from my hand. Darn it! <laughs> it's, it's only taken me about seven eight years, exactly. you know, and, and I've taken carrots off plates on your, exactly uh, on exactly your, uh, in your kitchen. Okay, and then the caprini, the goats and sheep. So so, anyways, I just thought that was fascinating. The the history, obviously. Oh, I know uh, you're Kate, such an ungulate dork uh, like me. That's why we get along so well. Oh, it's so just, cool. Ah, it's just I love this evolution stuff. I mean, I keep talking about it, but it's like. 
God, millions of years to get where they are I today. Know. So well, well that's where buffalo. getting to the, you know, the different yeah. nutritional things that they specialize in and their role mm. and who lives where and right. does who competes with what or doesn't. It, it is, it would, it's so sad that humans are screwing a lot of that up. <laughs> You know, I know, I know, I know. We're going to prevent right. it though. We're going to, yes, we're going to fight. Absolutely. We're going to fight, 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 fight. So Cape Buffalo or African Buffalo came from Ugandic uh, species about 10 million years ago. And then the Cape Buffalo specifically came out about four to 5 million okay. years ago. So, so there you go. That's the, the Bovid family. We can always refer back to this podcast when we cover oh, another we, one. Man. Yeah. Sable, I don't know. Uh, we got to put Sable yeah. or oh, it's a huge family. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's a bunch in there. Yeah, I mean, there's a bunch in there. I just want to do Thompson's gazelle. Like, come on, that's iconic. It is. Africa. It is. It is. Yeah. It no, was, that was my yeah. favorite part was actually all the antelopes and getting the book out, the guidebook, and trying to spot right. as many different ones as possible. And and I found ones I didn't even know I didn't even know about, which was yeah. shocking and also yeah. exciting at the same time. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. So the largest bovid, uh-huh. Angie. Now I said I was going to talk about the gaur. It, the gaur is the okay. largest living right now. It's huge. It can be seven feet at the shoulder. Oh, wow. Okay. And weigh over 2,000 pounds or 850 kilograms. So they're massive, right? Yeah. So the largest bovid that's extinct was bison latifrons from North mm-hmm. America. It was eight feet or two and a half meters at the shoulder and weighed 4,400 4, pounds or 2,000 kilograms. So, Jeez, Louise, big, that's big incredible. buffalo. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they were huge. They were huge. Anyways, a uh, little bit of the life cycle, I guess. You know, they live up to 26 years. Uh, you know, cows, bulls, calves, groups called a herd. Or did you find the other one? I did. Oh, my mom brain's kicking in though right now. Yeah. Gangs. 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 Yes. Yeah. <laughs> a gang of Cape Buffalo. Don't ever want to run into a gang yeah, of Cape yeah, Buffalo. Yeah, you don't, you don't, you don't want to do that. Mm-mm. Not on your, not walking, no, not walking. No. If I'm in a, if, if I'm in a big car or something, I'm fine. But yeah, yeah a gang of, of them. Cause they have, their herds can get up to like a thousand animals. They, sure. They yeah, yeah. It can, it definitely can, yeah. it really varies. It depends on how fragmented the population is or wh- what time yeah. of year it is. Is it breeding season? Is it, but yeah, they, they definitely, yeah. large numbers of them. Yeah. That's for sure. Uh, but yeah, yeah, and they're di- diurnal. They run up to 35 miles per yeah, hour. Yeah, I found that really striking. I'm like, jeez, yeah. that's fast. That's pretty quick, yeah. <laughs> I don't, yeah don't try yeah, to outrun yeah. one. I don't think. I don't think that's a good no, strategy. No, 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 no. And they're, you know, they're they're hearing and sight are okay. Sense of smell is really great. Yeah, of course. Yeah, they have keen sense yeah. of eyesight for spotting lions over a kilometer away. And of course, they rely uh, like a lot of stock on olfactory cues. Um, both for, um, mm. for urine from the females, uh, during breeding season or when they are breeding and then also as a way to communicate with each other. Right. And you said lions. I mean, lions are the only thing that really take them down besides humans. So yeah. And yeah, I guess crocodiles sometimes. Yeah. That's uh, true too. Yeah. That's true too. Yeah. The Nile, the Nile crocodile. Yeah. The big it's crocs. Gotta be, it's gotta be yeah. the big bad boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And just a little bit more too. I know I, I won't go into the horns as much as I went into the antlers um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. during our reindeer podcast, but I do just think they, if you really stop and think about it from a physiological point of view, the fact that they, the horns, they do keep, they're permanent. Um, they mm-hmm. don't shed them. Antlers are shed. And 
for those of you that haven't seen a horn or held a horn up close, um, I, I recommend you go to a museum or a lot of times zoos will have some on display in their education centers so you can feel them and see them. And what you'll find, of course, is that it's a bone. Okay. It's, um, and a horn mm-hmm. consists basically of live bone, unlike an antler where it's more dead bone that then eventually will be shed or fall off. But it has a bony core covered by a keratin sheath. And so the keratin is also the same thing that we talk about that your fingernails are made of, right? Um, and interestingly enough, too, the horns, of course, they can be straight. They can be curved, spirals, like we had already mentioned, smooth, rigid, sharp. But if a horn breaks off, it will not grow back. And assuming it's not broken off at the base, because that can be like where the blood supply is, oh, that can wow. be super yeah. dangerous. Um, but it, it, if it's broken off a little bit higher up, it will bleed. And so mm-hmm. we actually had a stable antelope uh, break her horns at one point in time. She was a tough girl. Uh, and it was fine. We were mm-hmm. able to you know, take care of it, stop the bleeding, make sure it didn't get affected. And she lived a very full and happy life. So uh, now in right. the wild, that would, it would probably be more detrimental because then they can't use it. Yeah. They don't have the horns to protect themselves, whether they're male or, or female. Right. And and the other thing, right. the other tidbit too, to help people when you're thinking about horns or antlers and deciphering them, or with or with rhino horns, that that's actually a totally different thing than it's not made of bone. It's made of just just uh, it's in a different location because it's on kind of the front mm-hmm, nasal mm-hmm. plane where horns and antlers are on the top of right. the head. Uh, but animals with tusks should not be confused with horns, of course, or antlers. Because tusks, right. for instance, of course, that like elephants have or boars elephants, uh, yeah. in the pig family, those are mm-hmm. ex- uh, extensions of oversized teeth. Also made of bone. Right, right. Yeah. But in the same but in a different in a different sense. So hopefully you learned a little bit about yeah. horns or you might love them as much as I do. But for me it's really <laughs> You know, getting to know the animal and that all horns are different and they serve a purpose and they're beautiful. And the fact that yeah. those animals have to carry that around year round for their whole life. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing too, that's and really important to note with animals with horns, that's much, much different than what Chris and I are used to with, used to work with, with, uh, with like horses and is that animals that have horns know they have them. They know how to use them and a lot of them, not all of them, but when we talk about a flight animal, an animal that's going to flight or fight are kind of the two instincts that people and animals have. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And so if, yeah. if yeah. you don't have a horn or an antler, a lot of times, and you're a hoofstock animal, like a horse uh, or a zebra, and you get scared or there's you're being challenged, you'll, you'll flight. You'll, you will leave the vicinity. You run away. Um, where as if you have horns and you get scared because somebody's intruding on your pathway or whatever, instead of running, you charge that we call it fear. We call it fear aggression because you know right. that you're awesome and you have these big horns and can fight whatever off. And so the, yeah, and yeah, the Cape yeah, Buffalo yeah. is like the epitome. Yeah. Of, it's they're impressive. I'm yeah. not scared of you. I have, 50 pounds worth yeah. of sharp penetrating <laughs> horns that will hook you and flick you over into the 
next set of bushes. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's, yeah, before we get to behavior, cause that, that's next is, you know, really quick on nutrition. It's easy. They eat grass. Angie's already talked about yes. that. Grass, grass, and more grass. That's their preferred food. They will eat mm-hmm. some shrubs and other things when grass is sparse, but they, they, they prefer grass. Now, they graze mostly during the morning and evening. They rest during the heat of the day. Cattle ruminate, right? Angie and I've talked a little bit about this. Yeah. So they you know, spend this... a lot. Yeah. They spend a large proportion of their time feeding and then ruminating to extract nutrients from the f- food. So they'll chew it, swallow right. it. And then they actually regurgitate their cud or a bolus to get yeah. even more nutrients and they chew their cud and then they yeah. swallow it again. I was going to tell everybody like, why the heck do they chew their cud? So they will like throw up their food into their mouth. I prefer or, regurgitate. Or regurgitate it. <laughs> yeah, I know, but that's kind of what it is. And they're mixing the gastric juices with this grass. Hey, we have, let's see, break this is honesty time. Yeah. We have all been there. Yeah. Haven't you been there for like one second where you, you maybe like burped a little oh, bit and you're like, uh, but you're, you're oh, forced to just like get rid of it. So the, yeah, the burn, yeah, yeah. Uh, but they're the tough, worst. you know, um, well, yeah. and that's what they do and they enjoy yeah, doing they just, it and that and they'll do that. I don't know. I, did you come across how many hours a day? We know with horses, we no, always I talk about see, 16 uh, hours a day time, that they're yeah. grazing. I don't know if it's quite that, yeah. quite that much with, because yeah. they spend a lot of time actually ruminating, but the, yeah, I didn't see a time budget. And with the Cape no. buffalo, it's not to, particularly demanding re, in regard to their habitat, but they do require water daily. So they do mm-hmm. need to be near sources of water, which will dictate some right. of their movement. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, a lot of, you think about it, a lot of these herd animals are, are, are bovids, you know, in Africa mm-hmm. and then also the, the zebra and some of the other species. Yeah, their migration patterns is always looking for water, right? Water sources and forage. Yes, and they're yeah. and it should be noted they're not true migrants. Uh, no. probably because a lot of it because maybe they maybe they were maybe but they're in reserves now. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, they they don't have a true migrating pattern. They will right. just move for sources of food or for water. Water. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, you know, before we jump into repro, let's talk a little bit about behavior. Wow. Well, I don't know if we'll be able to only talk a little bit about behavior because they're so <laughs> awesome. I, um, I know. Of course, it's this is near and dear to my heart. Uh, I've got to, a chance to work with a lot of bovines, both domestic and wild. And mm-hmm. yeah, I just I I could look at I could literally just watch them for days. I don't know. Even even them laying down and chewing their cud is very uh, it's very relaxing for me as I, and I know I told you in New Zealand, like you're like, Oh sheep. And there are sheep in the Hills, which is really cool. It's really more sheep than people drive right? around and just kidding. <laughs> supposedly. Well, I mean, it's only like less than 5 million in the whole country. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but there's more cows now. Yeah. The, 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 the cattle industry, the dairy industry is like booming here, I guess. So everywhere we go, we see cows everywhere. What kind you know, of cows? You know, the boys love it. So mostly okay. dairy jerseys. Okay. Or Holstein, sorry, not Jersey. Well, Holstein, the black and white ones. So yep. mainly, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, plenty of cows around here. But then there are sheep all over the okay, place too. Cool. So. Well, it, as you already mentioned, they they live in a herd, and <laughs> I think by the time I get done with behavior, you're going to be like, "Wow, I want to live more like a Cape buffalo." But before we get there, yeah. just so you know, their herd size is highly variable. Uh, the core of the herd is off of the Cape buffalo is often made up of related females and their offspring in an almost linear dominance hierarchy. And then they will have 
They'll be surrounded by subherds of subordinate males with both high-ranking males and females and sometimes older animals. The young males know to keep their distance from the dominant bull. And he it's quite obvious who he is by looking at the thickness of his horns, at, which will help tell his age. And those mature around five, six, seven, eight. Um, and then the other types of herds that occur are there will be a bachelor herd, uh, which we've talked about in other species. And that's where young males get together mm-hmm. and live together basically until they're able to establish their own herd of females. And that might be when they're anywhere from seven to 12 years of age. So it's really, if you think about mm-hmm. that, we talk about generation interval, intervals, that's a long time to, to get your own family group going and, 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 you know, for a bovine, right. obviously not necessarily maybe compared to, to a primate or something, but for a hoof stock animal, that, that seems like a long time for them to get things figured out. And regarding the males in the herd, of course, there's usually a more dominant bull, but they also have some of these subordinate younger males around as well. And it's, of course, based on rank of dominance. But often dominant bulls can actually rely on these subordinate bulls and will even sometimes tolerate their interactions with females because I don't want to anthropomorphize for them and say like, oh, these young dudes are helping me out. Uh, so I'm not, but they definitely, it's like, they know, they know that there's size and there's great strength in numbers. I think they, I yeah, think safety in numbers. Yeah. That they, yeah. They, they're very aware of that. And that leads to the other really, really cool fact that about Cape Buffalo is their altruism. And right. you started me on this because, uh, earlier this week, you sent me a, the very famous video um, yeah. that you, you'll link on the show notes and it's called the, yes. the battle at Kroger. battle of Kruger, battle of Kruger, Kruger. Yeah. Kruger national park. Yeah. Most amazing animal video I think I've ever seen. Oh yeah. It's just, it's eight minutes long. And at first I'm thinking, I don't have eight minutes, you know, <laughs> I just, <laughs> I, I'm studying here. Not right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I sat there like, I mean, man, I wish it was up on the big screen and, um, and just yeah. a synopsis of the video is it involves, no, don't give it away. No, don't give it away. I, if you haven't seen yeah, it, yeah, I go. won't give it away. Don't, don't anyways, go. It, it's it, amazing. It involves very altruistic behavior, and so altruism in the animal world, it refers to behavior by an individual that increases the fitness of another individual while decreasing the fitness of the actor. So you help mm-hmm. out even though you're putting yourself in harm's way potentially. Right. You're not, you're getting not, yeah, it's not, right? it's not yeah. symbiotic. You're not getting a benefit out of it. And and not only is it like neutral, like, okay, I help, I don't, it's, it's, it's actually, you're helping out and you could be harmed doing this. And so, mm-hmm. and then the other altruistic type, um, and so the, the best example is the video that Chris is going to put up where basically the herd acts together to help one of its individuals there. Did I not give too much of it away? Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, that's good. That's good. It, you, you, it is. It is a great, great representation. It is. Of what it is. And then, about. so if you have not seen it, go watch it. Go Google it. I'll link it. It is. Yeah, amazing. I just got goosebumps just literally thinking yeah. about it right now. Yeah. So yeah, it's amazing. But in another example, though, if you don't have time to watch the eight minute video, um, is that. 
the females in the herd appear to exhibit some sort of voting behavior. Well, thank God, ladies, it is the 21st century. <laughs> Hello. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. so what they do is during resting time when they're chewing their cud, the females stand up, shuffle around, and sit back down again. And they all sit in the direction they think that they should move next. And <laughs> I love That's this. Great. And I can so picture like yeah. me and my girlfriends doing this. We would end up in circles, right? Yeah. We'd be like, Oh, are we go, where are we going? This to this, to this, yeah. the mall, yeah. the wine bar, the gym. Where yeah, are we yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. We would, we would end up at the wine bar most likely, but yeah, that's what I would vote for <laughs> after the gym. Right. Right. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, yeah. They, they sit in the direction they think they should move. And after an hour or more of shuffling, the females travel in the direction that, that they chose. So hmm. it's, yeah. Awesome. And they, and then of course the classic is, is when they're chased by predators, the herd sticks close together to make it hard to, for them to pick off one of the a predator to pick off the, the member and the calves are always gathered in the middle. And mm. it's also been documented a lot that uh, a Buffalo herd will respond to the distress of a captured member and try to rescue it. And so mm -hmm. this calf's distress will get the attention of not only the mother, right? Of course, a mom is going to like maybe, but, mm -hmm. but yeah. the whole entire herd. And they will engage right. in like, speaking of gang of Cape Buffalo, they will engage in mobbing yeah. behavior. So they know what they're doing as far as fighting yeah. off any predators. And I, Chris, this is why I'm like, if we all need to learn to be a little bit more like Cape Buffaloes. So there's records right. of them. Of course, injuring or killing a lion, which that makes me sad, but I understand the circle of life. But right. they'll also chase lions up yeah. for trees and keep them there for up to two hours after a lion, after a lion had killed <laughs> a member of their group. So the men, member of the group, yeah. whatever, wasn't strong enough, died. Yeah. Picture this. Just right. for, whether you're driving in your car or just stop for one second and picture yeah. this. Yeah. Unfortunately, a lion you know, well, not unfortunately, it just is what it is. Nature's life, nature's way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. A lion takes a buffalo. The buffalo get pissed and there's nothing they yeah. can do about it, but they chase him up a tree and make him, <laughs> make him stay for two hours <laughs> as punishment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. It's like, don't you dare come down or we're going to kill you. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's and, 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 like, I could see a mom doing that or, you know, yeah. but this is so just, I don't know. It just made me, and I'm a, yeah, of course, it's, it's unique. It's yeah, because I'm in a very philosophical time in my life right now with recent events, right. and and so I'm just like yeah. thinking, oh man, you know. And I just I love turning to nature and seeing how how they work together and do things, and and not because they actually even get anything out of it sometimes, just because yeah. it's the right thing to do. Or obviously, animals yeah. maybe don't think that way, but. Yeah, I just, yeah. I just wish I was a researcher right now watching Cape Buffalo. <laughs> that's, yeah, I know. that's what I want to do. I want to, I want to see, I want to see how they care for their young and how they, I guess, get back at the gang, you know, get back at the bad guys or whatever. <laughs> the, yeah, at the lions. <laughs> yeah, wait till we talk about lions. We're like, oh, the lions are so good. I know. Well, no, you know, I will, I will stand, I will stand firm to the ground. I know I will always, I'm a hoof. Hoof horn and antler yeah, girl. You are. You My are. husband's a lion guy. He'll yeah. maybe maybe he'll do that podcast with you, or we'll bring him in. He obviously has worked yeah. with all sorts of um, big cats, and he that that's yeah. that's his uh, that's his jam. So it's it's fun in our family. We yeah. Uh, yeah. we we go back and forth on uh, on who should win. <laughs> yeah, our favorites. favorites exactly. Yeah, favorites. 
favorites. Well, yeah, I, I love the elephants. And the other thing about the behavior that I just thought was really cute and goes to show, I don't know if cute's the right word, but just goes to show how, um, mm-hmm. how much personality they have is that they definitely play a lot. Um, the juveniles will do a lot of like spar playing and dominance interactions. There's very few actual fights. If they, if there are, they're, they're violent, but rare, um, and quickly over. And the sparring for play, the bull may rub his opponent's face and body during the sparring session. So it's just, it's fun behavior. If you should YouTube some of the behavior, if you haven't seen it before, um, mm-hmm. cows in generals, I know a lot about them, so I don't, ha- I could do a whole podcast on cow or horse behavior <laughs> for anybody who wants. Yeah, if that's what you yeah, want to request, yeah. request that in, um, in the email. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, so the, yeah, Special they episode. definitely have a lot of personality and, uh, their vocalizations are, a lot of different sounds. They bellow, they grunt, they mm-hmm. croak. Uh, they're lower pitched than domestic cattle and they make creaking sounds. They will vocalize differently too, depending on if they're being aggressive or if they're looking for their calves or if the calf is in distress or if they're threatened by predators. So I just find fascination in their own, I don't know if it's a language, but definitely in the diverse signals, audio signals that they can give to each other right. to help talk to each other and tell each other, Hey, what's going on? You know, this, this, this good thing is happening or this bad thing is right. happening. And, and then it helps protect them. And I think I have a, a vocalization if I can find it. So here are some Cape Buffalo vocalizations. So when I heard that, uh, yeah, I always try to think, okay, what does that sound like? And first of all, if I hear that in the bush and I'm on my feet, I'm going to cry. You're probably dead. <laughs> you yeah. And the second was, it to me, it sounded kind of like, uh, I don't know, like an old car horn from like the 1910 or something. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. And that's just, a, yeah. that just touches on a few of their vocalizations. They definitely have a lot of other yeah. ones. So. Yeah, yeah. If you hear that in the bush, uh, oh my god, I don't even know if you can run. I, I don't know what to do. <laughs> Cry. Yeah. <laughs> Stop, drop, and roll. No, it's Basically. Like I don't know what to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, before we get to, to conservation, did you want to touch upon their, their repro real quick? Sure. I mean, it's, it's, for me and you, it's a lot just like the cow family in general. So their male, huh. the yeah. males are going to be promiscuous. Um, they're, Matings and births can occur throughout the year because the, okay. the females are polyesterous or they have estrous cycles. Right. Um, sure. In the estrous cycle, similar to like a horse or a cow, is going to be 21 to 23 days. Uh, estrous itself, mm-hmm. so when the female is actually receptive to the male, is probably going to be 24 hours or less. They do seem to have a breeding season, um, which is usually towards the end of the wet season. And that's probably mm-hmm. their gestation period is – 11 and a half months. So that's probably that then the calves will be born during the wet season. And in Africa, right. that means the green season, right? Like everything's coming, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. plenty of food plenty, for mom, plenty yeah. of food for mom and for, mm-hmm. and for the, the baby. And I do like the fact a little, a, a terminology that they use with Cape Buffalo is that when a female is receptive, a male will tend T E N D will okay. tend. He'll tend to sure. her by following <laughs> her around until she's receptive to mating. 
Uh, <laughs> and like, if, hey, babe. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And if approached by a more dominant male, tending males will readily return to grazing and the new male takes over. So I just, this visual is so funny for me. It's like, so they'll tend to a female, but the minute like a little bit cooler hipster guy comes in, they're like, yeah, yeah. they're like, eh, I'm out I'm here. Out. I'll go have a beer. I'm out. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. They like, yeah. they like, it, and that that goes just that. I'm making fun with this, but it really does yeah. go to show like those horns and that size. If you're more dominant, okay, done, out now. Like you're, yeah, you win, you win, you win, you win. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's like me, me and the Rock chasing a girl around the bar. The Rock wins. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's not like <laughs> it's like, like you wouldn't even try. You would just get like you yeah, just walk out no. the door, right? Yeah, I, I can win her with my brain, but he definitely wins with the brawn. So, uh, you know, so yeah. but that's even in my football days. There's no way I can compete with him. <laughs> yeah, I mean uh, that's that's a, that's a tough yeah. number for sure. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, and yeah, then other than funny. that, they. They definitely, the males will do, and it's probably the females a little bit too, but they'll do the Fleming behavior where, uh, and mm-hmm. we've probably talked about this in our, in our Preswalski's horse podcast, but that's mm-hmm. where they curl their upper lip in order to be able to really get this yummy smells, the chemical for, um, pheromones right. that they're looking for closer into their nasal passage. Passages. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yep. the other thing though, I think that's really important, important to point out is their, sexual maturity in both males and females is around four to five mm-hmm. years, but they don't probably become dominant or high up enough to do, the males, probably not to seven or later. Mm-hmm. And the females, the same thing mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, well past five. So it's, okay. it's not like our domestic cows that are you know, having babies when they're right yeah. at two or three. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and yeah, they, yeah. and they do have, like I said, their gestation period yeah. is 11 and a half months, similar to a horse. Where the domestic cow, interestingly, is nine months. So something obviously, yeah, yeah, uh, it's shorter evolutionary yeah. change there. Uh, and the inner the inner birth period is eighteen to nineteen, two or three years. It just depends on the population density. And a calf is right. about uh, forty kilograms. I'll use kilograms mm-hmm. for you <laughs> when it's born. So, yeah, that's about and almost hundred pounds. What I found right? interesting, mm-hmm, and what I found interesting, which you may, which you might like, is that. They, when they're born, they're not quite as like strong right. as other hoofstock. Like horses stand up and basically can run. Yeah. Uh, Cape buffalo, I don't know if it's just how they're designed. Newborn calves will remain hidden in vegetation for the first few weeks of life, and they'll be nursed occasionally by the mother, mm-hmm. and then join the the main herd. And it takes them up to like a day or two to to oh, even wow, run. Okay. Okay. And the other thing that's interesting, Chris, is they, if you can picture this, much different than a normal, uh, a normal cow or a horse is they nurse from behind and not from the side. So between oh, the mother's okay, hind yeah. legs. Oh, yeah. wow. Okay. I don't know why. Oh, poor thing. I have to really get pooped on. <laughs> Talking about poop. I know. <laughs> yeah. But once again, I don't know. It just must be like the season or whatever that uh, uh, this podcast is running, but I keep focusing on, not necessarily intentionally, but I keep focusing on super moms. Yeah. But yeah, an African or Cape Buffalo provides extensive care for the young. Mm-hmm. Uh, a female actually like be left behind when the calf is born while the herd moves on to forage. Mm-hmm. And the mom stays back defending, feeding, guiding, all this, you know, to help the right. baby and the calf. And they, they also do, there's a lot of signs and um, behaviors of stroking, huddling, and playing. No, and I mean, you, you're talking about them not being able to, to stand and run. And I think a lot of that too is just how tough they are. And this, 
altruistic behavior. So they probably haven't needed to evolve as much, you know, because there's not a lot. I mean, obviously lions and I'm sure, I'm sure there's instances of leopard taking calves and maybe I don't even know if cheetahs could, but you know, I'm sure there's some other predators that hyenas, another one that, that could maybe take a calf, but not don't mess with mama. So, you know, they're so tough. And that's probably right. why and, they, and they, also, they can like, do so that. Mother instinct is just so, I mean, obviously I am a mom and it's a powerful thing that you can't control. Yeah. Like right when that baby is born and, but if you've ever been around yeah. herd animals or know anything about herd animals, the herd is like super important to them. So the yeah. fact that these moms like let the herd go ahead yeah. of them so she can tend yeah. to this, go on, not as, I yeah. guess, you know, not as yeah. up and ready to run and join the herd calf is really impressive to me mm-hmm. and it just, it's great dedication. And, uh, and eventually of course yeah. the, the calf after, you know, a week or a couple of weeks of life, it can, it can catch up with the herd. And- no, that's, yeah, that's amazing. Amazing behavior. I, it was, that was really cool. That was really cool. Now with conservation, you know, least concern, mm-hmm. but their population's decreasing. You know, IUCN had it at, uh, that's the international union for the conservation of nature. It had their population from about half a million to up to a million. Yes. But obviously with habitat loss is the big one. And then I read too on IUCN disease. Yes. From cattle, from domestic cattle, you know. Sure. And yeah, in the late 1900s wiped out, like some populations got wiped out or almost 95% of them wiped out. Yeah. They're susceptible and are also carriers to foot and mouth disease, bovine tuberculosis, Corridors disease and brucellosis. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, there, there are some things that, you know, especially interacting with domestics that can be, uh, a little scary. So, I mean, even with, you know, even though they're least concern and you did talk about a couple of the, the endangered buffalo. So yeah, it kind of leads to there, there are definitely people out there fighting for these animals. And so do you want to tell us about an organization yes, that you might Chris, have found? I, the organization this week I want to highlight is called Global Wildlife Conservation. And they can be found at www.globalwildlife.org. And they have a really nice Facebook presence. And I can't believe that this is the first time that I'm highlighting this group because they're amazing. And once again, with the Mm -hmm. Cape Buffalo being least concerned, there weren't many groups doing actual conservation work towards the Cape Buffalo. So I turn my attention to some of their relatives um, that are either endangered or critically endangered. And with that being said, the mission of the global wildlife conservation is to protect endangered species, of course, and vital ecosystems. So that's the key, the ecosystems through partnerships and science-based actions Mm -hmm. worldwide. And they work with tons of partners in America Africa, Asia, Australia, your neck of the woods. And they believe in exploration, research, and conservation. Mm -hmm. Okay. And diving into their research, not only do they highlight and focus over 20 to 30 amazing projects. I I obviously can't go into all of them. But for Mm -hmm. me, (laughs) this is why I'm saying I can't believe it's the first time I've found these guys is they have numerous conservation projects on hoofstock. So they're working with munchak, the mm-hmm. Javan rhino, taper. I know it's not hoofstock, but elephants. And then also 
a big project with the mysterious Asian unicorn, which we have to cover, uh, known as the Sayola uh, over in Vietnam. Um, and yeah, we have to talk about that guy soon. Maybe mm-hmm, I need to get mm-hmm. one of these researchers on here, here. but yeah. Th- so it's yeah, a huge yeah. team of scientists that are amazing. And like I said, maybe I can get one of them for an interview. Uh, the other great thing about this uh, global wildlife conservation group is that they rank very high on what's called a charity navigator. So I'm always trying to vet different groups because I don't, you know, mm-hmm. I want to make sure that the money as much money as possible is going back towards conservation. And there's different rating systems out there and they are consistently ranked as about as high as po- as you can possibly get. And what they're doing for right. Buffalo early in the podcast, when we were talking about the different genuses of Buffalo, the Babalus, I think is how you pronounce it. Genus and cord- uh, includes the, uh, the water Buffalo mm-hmm. and also the Tamara or the Manduro Manduro dwarf Buffalo. And what this is, this guy is a small hoofed animal, of course, in the mm. family of Bovidae, and it's endemic to the island of Mindoro or the Philippines. And it's the only endemic Philippine bovine. And it's critically endangered. So the Global Wildlife Conservation comes in and helps out the national park that is, of course, a, a hotspot for other animals as far as biodiversity is concerned. And they have tons of goals and they first mm-hmm. want to improve uh, the governance and protect the measures of the area this national park is in where these little dwarf buff- buffaloes live. And then of course they want to establish a zoning system to help integrative hunting management plans, and then also ensure protection for this little guy. Cause there's not a lot of known about his population except for that's critically endangered. And then they also want to implement innovative land use practices and planning is and so that's like an agroforest system so planting trees and they hope that that will bolster different species in the area that can help provide mm-hmm. other food sources for some of the locals while providing of course a habitat for more wildlife yeah, yeah and it's great again there's people around the world another organization uh out there working to fight for these animals. Now, what you can do for the listeners, not just help support organizations or support the podcast, conservation tip of the week. This is a good one, Angie. Recycle and reuse. So one we haven't really talked a lot about yet. 30% of greenhouse gas emissions, especially from the United States, are provision of goods, quote unquote. So that means the resources, the manufacturing, the transport, and final disposal of everyday or, or items. So if you recycle or reuse products, you actually reduce carbon footprint. So I thought, well, one of the things, I would never buy a used mattress, right? That's just one thing you don't buy. <laughs> but, you know, what about cooking utensils? You know, when we got here, they they call them, you know, the, the Goodwill stores in the United States. They call them op shops here. Okay, in yeah. We, uh... New Zealand. We went, yeah, we went to the op shop and bought a bunch of stuff for the kitchen, you know, or toys or oh, clothes yeah. for the kids. Absolutely. You know, because kids go through clothes and toys like crazy. They're growing crazy. So if you can reuse products, go to some of these, these shops and you're actually help reduce uh, your, your carbon footprint. So we should recycle and reuse. Yeah. If they don't have to make it again, I mean, it's better than ending up in a landfill. Yeah. Let's right? think about toys, like toys, all the plastic, like you get these kids toys today and it's just like covered in plastic. Like, you, and it's so hard to oh, break. Yeah, oh, it's, it's so a nightmare. Horrible. The packaging is such a nightmare. 
you know, to open up and it's this non-recyclable plastic you throw in the garbage. It's, you know, so go recycle, reuse. Um, it's a great way to live. Yeah. Check out your local. Yeah. yeah next time you, especially something like Chris said, like a toy yeah. or something just common, yeah. see if they have it there first. It'll be worth the drive. Cause then you're going to find out some, find some really cool gaudy coffee. Yeah. You didn't even know you wanted. Yeah. 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 And then you buy them and they're fun gag Christmas presents yeah, or whatever. Yeah. So it's a good place to check go. it out for sure. That's, that's a great yeah, tip, Chris. Yeah, I love okay. that tip. All right. So why are they called the Black Death, Angie? So it's because they are so dangerous if you haven't figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> they can run 35 miles an hour. They're carrying 50 pounds on their head. But the Cape buffalo or African buffalo kills more hunters than any other species. So the wow. estimates they go, they'll, they'll just charge them. Yeah. Like they're not going to run. They're like, yeah. I don't care. I don't care what you have. I'm, yeah. I'm coming after you. Yeah. They gore over 200 people them. per year. Yeah. And I read that they, like you talked about their behavior, they're very smart. They, if they know, first of all, if there's a hunter that like either shot them or missed or whatever, they have good memories. And so they will go and seek revenge. They will go and hide and ambush people <laughs> or the yeah, hunter. Yeah, they'll, they'll put them up a tree for two hours. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, that's like one of the big things. If, if people are stalking in Africa or whatever, I guess, uh, the, the Cape Buffalo is the most dangerous. Now they're not the most dangerous animal in the world. Uh, this was some interesting factoids. Do you know what the most dangerous is? Hmm. Besides humans and Orville Well, wars. I was going to say like a, like a virus or something. <laughs> Mosquitoes. Number yeah, one animal. Yeah. Yeah. The worst mm-hmm. kills 725,000 people per year. Yeah. Uh, dogs, 25,000 people. Freshwater wow. snail, 10,000 people. What? They carry a parasite. Yeah. Ah. So people eat it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Crocs, 1,000. Now this is Crocs, not Africa. I mean, I'm sure Africa's part of it, but there's Crocs in Asia too and of Australia. Course. So. I and think the in, number one hippopotamus. Yeah. Yeah, there is. There is freshwater crocs in Florida, right? Mm-hmm. And then the hippopotamus, I think, is the number one, which oh, we're going to yeah. do soon. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> kill 500 people a year. Elephants, 100. Lions, 100. Sharks, 10. I know. That's, 10. They get such a bad rap. Sharks. We're going to do sharks. I know. Soon. Yes. Yeah. 10. They kill 10 people a year. So... Yeah, the, the mosquitoes are way, way, way worse. Anyways, for us, again, check us out on Patreon. Think about donating a buck a month. It would help us a lot if, if, if everybody did that. You know, we can advertise, get our message out, educate, take our enthusiasm, and spread the message. But, you know, thank you. We're going to entertain questions. Jonathan, you get first up, so go ahead and send us a question, you know, on Facebook. But thank you, and we'll be back next week with the new species. Thank you, everyone. Have a great day. Listen. Learn. Share. Join the movement at allcreaturespod.com.